All right, hallelujah. I want to look at First uh, John chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 11, and we're going to go to the end of the, the uh, chapter if you want to follow along with your iPads or phones or whatever. But, uh, you know, I've been talking about um, the love of God lately and um, have shared with you guys that, uh, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in a time right now with the Lord where there's a transition season kind of going on, and I really want to... Um, just have a more intimate relationship with him than I've uh, been allowing myself to have over maybe the last couple of years, and um, and God's good, and and so He's been showing me some different things, but I want to understand His His love to a, a greater degree, you know. And we all have the knowledge. How many of you How many of you know that God loves you? Yeah. Praise the Lord, Amen. And we need to know that, and we need to know it intellectually and and things like that, but. Um, I believe that, for myself speaking, I haven't even scratched the surface on really experiencing just the deep uh, love of God that's immeasurable, amen? And so, um, anyway, so I'm going to share here, and I'm going to make a couple of references to some things that we've studied in the last couple of weeks out of Ephesians. Uh, we, we studied and, sh- and uh, saw in Ephesians chapter 3 that Paul prays for the saints, all of us, that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith, which is our choice. We have, to, we have to live by faith in what Christ has done at the cross and allow his presence to influence and govern our hearts and our lives. Um, and we defined some of those words a couple of weeks ago, but, and that's essentially what it, what it says. And he would go on to say that we would be strengthened by the Spirit in the inner man. I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, but strengthened by the Spirit in the inner man to even have the strength to comprehend the love of God. Amen. And my dad referenced some things last hour that the things of God, the things of the Spirit, are, are understood only by the Spirit of God. Amen. This is a reference from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that the things of a man, men understand because we're, we're men, women. But only the things of God can be understood and discerned by the Spirit of God. Amen. And if there is a more deep subject than the love of God, then someone let me know about it. Amen. Um, so anyway, again, we, we saw out of Ephesians that we need the, the strengthening of the Spirit to even comprehend the great, immeasurable love of God. Amen? And, uh, and anyway, so I, I might, I, other than just referencing that now, we might go back and, and look at those verses. And we uh, were studying last week out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that, you know, we can go through this life never growing in God's love, unfortunately. But... Uh, but it's a choice on our part of what are we going to trust in? What are we going to put our faith in on an everyday basis? And I like to say it like this because it's the same. What are we going to base our relationship with God on? Amen? And we all know people, and we were all people, that used to base our relationship with God on what we did. Amen? No? Amen. Just a couple of us, okay? Hallelujah. But we, you know someone that's done that. Amen? <laughs> okay, uh, and that's just the religious mindset. It's a religious mindset. It's really a fleshly mindset. It's an attitude that we can do something for God and he's going to be pleased with us or love us more or release some blessing in our life because of what we've done, amen, and uh, use that to define religion, amen. So I, I see some things in, this, in the end of this chapter, and we're going to talk about the love of God, and, and uh, this is John here um, teaching us, amen, there's application here, 
and, uh, and there's some great truth here. So if all that introduction went well, then this is going to go well. Um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. I'm going to read to the end of the chapter, and then we'll go from there. So it says, For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And where, why did he slew him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that is loving not his brother is abiding in death. Whosoever is hating his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby we perceive the love of God, because he laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. But whoso has this world's goods and sees his brother have need and is shutting up his bowels of compassion from him, how is the love of God dwelling in him? My little children, let us love not in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and is knowing all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that is keeping his commandments is dwelling in him and he in him, and hereby we know that he is abiding in us by the spirit which he has given us. Hallelujah. That was a little bit long, but you followed along. Amen? And so I want to break down some of the things that I see John saying here, some of the truths that we can take from some other epistles, and, and marry some of these ideas together. And um, me and Jim were having a conversation yesterday that he just alluded to, and, we, and the conversation went in a couple of different directions, and we were talking about um, you know, people that, that dwell on the commandments and think that obedience is, well, you know, try to be morally as good as possible, and have, that's a good thing, right? But we all know that morally we can't keep the law and we can't keep the commandments. And I, somewhere along the line, you know, the, the question or the discussion became like, how do we communicate with these people that may even be our friends that have this mindset that it's law, it's, it's the law, it's got to be the law, it's got to be obedience to the law, Right? And I, and I said something to him, and I, I had the same conversation with Jonas a few days ago, is the difference between dead works, religion, and true Christianity is the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> the Holy Spirit living in us, governing our hearts, governing our lives. But it is conditional on our faith being in what Christ did at the cross, saints. Amen. When our faith, and that's where our choice is every day, I can trust in what I do for God or I can trust in what he's done for me. Amen. So I'm not going to get off on preaching a different subject, but in a nutshell, what the scriptures teach us is that when we obey the truth, Christ and him crucified, the spirit then can have his way with us and God births fruit in us. Amen. Fruit comes forth by faith. It says this in Colossians, that it's the gospel that brings forth fruit. Amen. It's the power of the cross and our faith being in that finished work 
allows the Holy Spirit to have freedom in my life to now work in me and do in me what I can't do in myself. And what is the first fruit of the Spirit? Love. Amen. How many of you know God commanded us to love, but uh, how, many of you have your, uh, how many of you have the ability to love like God in your own strength? No one raise your hand because you don't, and I don't. <laughs> Amen. But he wouldn't command us to do something that we weren't capable of doing. But like we just referenced from Ephesians, see, God intends, the Spirit intends to produce love. First of all, make us aware and, and, and able to comprehend God's love for us. Amen. And then, as we're going to see in this chapter and marry these together, strengthen us to allow that love to flow through us. Amen. Because, again, God uh, uh, commanded us to love our brother, but he also strengthened us to be able to do that. Amen. And the strength comes from the Holy Spirit through our faith abiding in what Jesus did for us. Amen. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, is joy, amen, peace, patience. Love is patient, amen. We read uh, in 1 Corinthians 13 last week, love is patient, it's kind, it's enduring all things, it's rejoicing in the truth, amen. Can I get an amen? Love forgives. Love, is this working? Love heals, love edifies. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. Amen. But it's not just our love that, I, that, that it's, it's goodwill towards you and it's just out of my willpower and strength. No, it's allowing God's love to, first of all, penetrate our heart for ourselves so that we can receive it and understand it and try to comprehend it through the power of His Spirit. And then in turn, be able to love like God, forgive like God, have compassion like God, have understanding of a person's situation like God has uh, understanding of a person's situation. Amen. So when he finishes in verse 24 and says, and he that is keeping his commandments is dwelling in him and he in him, dwelling in Christ and Christ in him. And hereby that we, we know that he is abiding in us by the spirit which he has given us. I said this last week. We ought to be growing in love. Amen. You see, religious people, they might have the outward actions all shaped up and they look you know, but if we don't allow God to change our hearts, then we are totally missing the boat on Christianity. We can have the outward actions of law and law living. We can have those, if you want to say perceived, as, as good, as down, right? But how many of you know that religion kills, saints? Amen. And, that's, and that's, we're going we're gonna to read this again when that reference to Cain. Uh, religion kills, self-righteous kills. Self-righteousness kills. Uh, it's puffed up, and it does nothing for anybody. Amen. I'm going to go back to verse 11 and 12 here, and it says, uh, this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And why did he slew him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Now, this is my twist on this, but Cain and Abel, Cain was a type of the flesh. Abel was a type of the spirit. And I'm going to say in this sense, here Cain is a type of religion. Giving, presenting our own works to God and think, thinking that we deserve something in return for what those works were. Amen. Uh, we know that Abel brought forth the first of his flock. Amen. He brought a sacrifice to God. 
Amen. How many of you know that, that sacrifice that he brought to God was a representation of the sacrifice that God would make for man? And that's why Abel was, was declared righteous, because Abel had faith in what the sacrifice represented. Amen. And that's why I say he's a type of the spirit, whereas Cain is a type of the flesh, a type of religion in that he brought forth the word of his hands and wanted the same reward. Amen. And he hated that his works, his offering, wasn't accepted by God. Amen. And there, and so why did he kill his brother? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. And all, all Abel did forth required. Faith in a sacrifice, saints. Hallelujah. And what did religion do to his brother? He killed him. Because religion can only build up an individual in self-righteousness. And I'm sorry, but some of the most nasty people that I've come across are religious Christians. Yeah. <laughs> Snobby and backbiting and judging and critical of everybody and everything because, well, they just don't have their stuff all together like I have my stuff together. Amen? Amen. You ever met a nasty Christian who's got a, the, the, the perception of no love in their, in their heart? See, this is different, and this is, again, going back to me and Jim's conversation. That's the difference between truly living by faith and allowing God, the Holy Spirit, to empower us to love and just going through the motions of Christianity but really not growing in love at all. Did I say that right? Amen. It's got to be God's love and operating in and through us. And, again, we referenced 1 Corinthians last week. I could feed the poor and I could give my body to be burned, and I could sacrifice everything. But if I do it without love, I'm nothing. Amen. Amen. And on the good side of that, Paul said, I could speak with tongues, and I could prophesy, I can do all these things, but if I don't do it with love, I'm just making noise. Amen. There's a lot of It's all the heart of an individual. Okay, let me say this, because there's a lot of churches that do things and they go out and they feed the poor and they do, you know, give out water and different things. And if the individual's heart, which only God knows, amen, is truly stirred up by God's love to do that, then it's a good and righteous work that God honors and accepts. But if it's this, the person sitting next to that guy might just go be going and doing it because they want everyone to see that they're doing a good work also. And really... God to see that I'm doing a good work also. And unfortunately, it's good that we helped somebody, but it was a dead work and it was a sounding brass. And if it was without love, it means nothing. Amen. So you heard this message that we should love one another. Not as Cain, religion won't produce love. Amen. Works and self-righteousness don't produce love. Amen. Yes, you have the microphone? Yeah. In the story in Genesis, when Cain was, it said he was, um, I'm going to paraphrase, but he was downcast after God didn't receive his offering. And God said something so interesting. He said, you know, uh, something to the effect of sin is waiting for you. He, its desire is for you. It's crouching at the door waiting for you. But you can rule over it. That's what God said. So Cain had a choice to either give into the flesh, which was his jealousy mm -hmm. and his rejection, 
you know, to play to his own feelings or to put those down and try to do better and, you know, be accepted by God. But he chose his flesh. Amen. That's what it was. Amen. And in that setting, we have to also understand that God gave Cain an opportunity to repent. He said, why, why is it, you know, I forget how the words go, but why is it bad to you? I forget the words, but no, it's not downcast, but why are you mad? Why, in other words, if you just bring forth the same offering that your brother brought forth that I'm looking for, will it not be well with you? Amen. And really, that's in, in, in correlation to what Darby just said. That's how we, we can't personally rule over sin, but the Spirit can. Amen. And... Uh, the sacrifice is the power of God to have victory over sin. If, if Cain would have brought forth the proper offering and been truly led by God, the sin of killing his brother would have never happened. There would have been joy and there would have been a, de- a righteous declaration. Amen. And uh, even though they didn't have the Holy Spirit back then, they, they, I certainly think they had uh, God influenced them in, in many ways, obviously, in their hearts. Amen. So God gave Cain an opportunity to repent and make it right, and he rejected it. Um, I don't want to get all serious about this, but unfortunately, I believe there are a lot of Christians that are still rejecting the sacrifice of Jesus. And I don't mean in the sense of, again, God knows who believes or not. There are many born-again Christians that believe in the cross relative to their salvation, but reject the cross in regards to our everyday life. And, and this is, is, is the, the stumbling block or the offense of the cross. And uh, you come preaching the message that, that we've been preaching to you for years, you can make some religious people really mad. You can. And you want to know why? Because of pride. Because pride says, I can do it. Humility says, I can't do it. I have to rely completely on what God did for me. And, and it's just that... It sounds, that sounds silly, right? I have to rely on what God did for me. That sounds like an easy thing to do. But it's a very hard thing to do because the pride that is in man's heart to want to do it ourselves. Amen. But actually, you can tell uh, religious people who are offended by the cross because yes. they'll say things like, boy, I really don't like what those Jews did to Jesus, right. you know, or I really don't like what the Romans did, and they crucified him, and they put the blame somewhere. That's a yeah. good clue yeah. that they don't get it. Yeah, amen, amen. Amen. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you, just like Cain hated his brother. It's a spiritual thing going on. The, the world doesn't know necessarily that they hate you because you love Jesus. Maybe they do, and they're aware of that, and that's where, why persecution comes and things like that. But there's just a spiritual thing there, especially if they know you're a Christian, though <laughs> this goody two-shoes or whatever, you know, with a misunderstanding of real Christianity. See, I, I, we, it's not goody two-shoes. <laughs> it's batty, I don't know, let's think of something. I'm no good. Yeah, Dave Hinton, we had Dave Hinton at the school a few years ago, and they said, uh, he was telling a story of when he would come to die and someone would put on his gravestone, you know, here lied a good man. He said, don't you be lying at my funeral. Not a good man. Rely on Jesus. There's none good except one, and that's God, period. Amen. And so why do we think we're capable of loving like God or... uh, Go down the line, amen? We can't produce, this can't produce anything for God. We have to let the Spirit 
have his way in us. Amen? Marvel not, my brethren, that the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that is loving not his brother is abiding in death. I want to stop right there. What he's saying here, not only in this verse and through the chap and throughout the rest of this chapter, is we should be able to look at our hearts, examine our hearts, examine our walk with God, and we should we should be able to recognize that we have grown in love. I'm not saying graduated, <laughs> amen, but have grown in love. The ability to forgive individuals, family members that have or, or held on to something, you know. Compassion to see that you heard the phrase hurting people hurt people, right? Yes. And, but, but, you know, there are a lot of Christians that know that person didn't, you know, eye for an eye, you know. Yeah. And we're going to get them back, and it's like, no, you're not, that's not love. That's not the love of God. We have, we have to have, we should be able to say, I've grown a little bit in God's love whether that's in his patience, in his forgiveness, in his mercy towards people, in his graciousness towards people. Amen? Amen. We, so there should be some evidence, is, is what I'm saying. We should be able to know that we have passed from death unto life because I am experiencing the grace of God in my life to change my heart and life to have compassion and love and forgive and these things. Am I making sense? Amen. The power of God, you know, we say the greatest miracle of all time was salvation. Amen. But I think it's tied with sanctification, the heart change, the miracle that God can take an evil, dark, black, selfish heart and actually turn it into seeing through his lens of love and compassion and mercy and grace and instead of bitterness, now joy and and no more backbiting in these kinds of things. Anyone think that's a miracle? God can take us in our dead state right now and empower us by His Spirit to go out and affect lives and, and see, you know, lives changed around us, whether it's doing good unto them or preaching or teaching truth or sharing truth. I shouldn't say preaching or teaching, but uh, it's amazing grace. Hallelujah. Whosoever is hating his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Jesus said, if you, if you hate your brother, you've committed murder. I like how he changes this now. We're talking about God's love. Excuse me, we're talking about us loving. This is what, um, through the first few verses that we've read. We ought to love, right? Not like Cain. But then he says this, hereby, verse 16, hereby we perceive the love of God. So now here's, here's the love of God, not, not our love for individuals, but it's obviously significant because if we don't understand God's love for us, then we won't understand how to let that love live through us. So he says, hereby we perceive the love of God because he laid his life down for us. Hallelujah. And I covered this a couple of weeks ago, and I don't, wanna, I don't care to get technical about teaching, but this word perceive is the word gnosko. And, it, and it, again, it's that idea of it's not just a knowing here. It's an intimate knowing. There is a way to intimately experience and understand God's love. How? He laid his life down for us. That's why we're supposed to live by faith in what Christ has done and continue to look at the cross, continue to look at the sacrifice, because whether we realize it or not, when we are, 
when our eyes are focused on Jesus and what he's done and not little old me and what I do, when we're focused on the cross, we're focused on God's love. It may take a while to still penetrate our hearts, but hereby we perceive, amen. He laid his life down for us. Hallelujah. And we ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. But whoso has this world's good and sees his brother have need and, shut a, and is shutting up his bowels of compassion from him, how is the love of God dwelling in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hallelujah. In other words, love has action to it as well. Amen? Amen. And uh, again, whether it's giving goods to people that need them or sharing wisdom with an individual that you work with, or, uh, uh, love will have action to it. Amen. Love will see someone who is addicted to drugs and you can reach out and, and, and try to help them, try to get them on the right path. More importantly than anything, share truth with them, knowing that only God can overcome the issue. Amen. I had a friend that I worked with that um, he had this issue. And thank God he's been sober now for, I think, 15 or 16 months. And uh, praise the Lord. And uh, it was an, I had an awesome opportunity to share a lot of truth with him. And, um, and uh, he's, he's, he's not on fire for God or anything like that. But I know that no doubt that God did the miracle in his life to free him from however many pills a day he was on. And um, God's good. Amen. That's not love in word. Yeah, I love you, brother. I love you. But not indeed. Amen. Do you have the microphone, Dad, for Narisa? Yeah. Amen. And we all have testimonies. I try to give maybe these little things, but... Thank you. Um, just to follow up with that, because God's been putting on my heart that we need each other, that God needs us to minister to others. And... Um, Amen. And I just, you know, he's just dropped that heavily in my heart. And then, like you had said, it takes discernment, too, because we can't just we can't just hand out, hand out to people that are constant eaters and that will not change in their heart. You know, we have to have discernment on where to give, because if we're constantly giving to those yeah. people that are eaters, we're losing out on the opportunity to give to those who really can swallow that seed and let it take root and plant and grow. So. That's the discernment part that I, I believe, and, and I see it. Also, um, there is a situation that had happened when I was married before. I was in a starving situation. I was in an ignorant situation. I was going to a church, and the, the mother of the church, uh, I was walking by her holding my baby, and she, she stopped me, and she goes, she goes, you, come here. And so I came, and she's sitting in her Mercedes, you know, you know, She's blessed. And um, she goes, she looks at me and she goes, you need to eat. You need to eat steak. So I was like, okay. <laughs> and then she drove off. Yeah. I'm like, Lord, where am I going to get steak from? Hey, but <laughs> but <laughs> I You thought know. you were like, getting invited to dinner. The, uh, well, I thought, okay, thanks for the word. Don't you know that I know that I'm hungry? Yeah. You know, that's what went through my head. Like, I may... You know, I was in an ignorant situation, but yes, I was starving, and you have the nerve to tell me to eat and eat steak. 
So this scripture came to my mind is, if a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? So basically, we, like, like you were saying, you know, I love you, brother or sister, and just walk on, like, you know, following the leading of the Holy Spirit, like, physically do something. You need, to, you need to step out and do something, whether giving somebody a ride or giving them 20 bucks or gift cards or whatever it may be. I like to give gift cards to people that are hungry and not give them cash because they might use that cash for something else so they can use it for the grocery store. It's just wisdom, you know. But I really believe that God needs us to minister to others and just not say, be, be at peace, be warmed and filled, you know, and send them on their way and do nothing. Amen. So he needs us. Amen. And, uh, you know, this is just my side note, but when we have the opportunity to be a blessing to someone who needs, you know, whether they're asking for money on the side, we ought to uh, try to find a couple minutes to minister truth to them. Not just to God bless you, and I'm not condemning you if this is what has happened, gone on before by any means. We've all done it. But don't just let them know you're a Christian by saying God bless them, you know. Maybe ask them if they know Jesus. Have they ever really thought about the truth of the death and resurrection and God's love for them? And So I'm just saying just a suggestion, and trust me, I'm, I can see my reflection through this window right now, so I'm talking to myself. Amen. I'm just saying there ought to be something. You know, we can, uh, to give a man a fish is, it's love, but if you keep giving him a fish, it's not love anymore. You got to teach a man to fish. Amen. Enabling. It's the opposite of love. Amen. Um. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Again, just another uh, example of what he's saying, that if, if we are loving in deed and in truth, then it's an assurance to us that we are of the truth. Amen. The, the truth is Christ and him crucified. Amen. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and again, allowing the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit called love in our hearts, amen, is an assurance that we are of the truth. And we're walking according to the truth, amen, and obeying the truth. Because again, I always like to say this out of Galatians, when we say the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and go on, I like to say it more like this, the fruit of trusting in Christ and the cross is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, goodness, gentleness, amen. The fruit of living by faith in Christ and what he's done is that God does in us what we can't do in ourselves. And that's what grace is, hallelujah. And, and we need, again, like we saw out of Ephesians, we need the Spirit to strengthen our comprehension, to even receive and perceive the love of God in the laying down of his life for us. Amen? So hereby we know that we are of the truth. Is if this love is being produced and we can see this fruit growing in our life, then we can have an assurance before God that we're loved. Amen. And that we're sons and daughters. Hallelujah. We should have an assurance. We're never going to be perfect. Period. Amen. Well, one day we're going to have our glorified bodies. Hallelujah. In this body, in this flesh, we're never going to be perfect. That's not what it's about. That's what religion thinks it's about. Amen. Religion thinks it's all about 
trying to be perfect. It's not. It's about allowing God's grace, allowing His Holy Spirit to influence and govern our hearts and our lives so that we can grow in His love and in His fruit. And we can have this assurance that we are children of God. Amen. A child asks, my daughter asked me, I don't know what she asked me, but she asked me 30 times. She always does. Dad, Dad, Dad. Can I get an amen? Daisy, she's crazy. my daughter. I'll say whatever I want to say about her. Amen? <laughs> she's, she's, <laughs> she's asked me like 30 times for something. It's crazy. I already said yes, Daisy. So we can have this assurance, but if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and is knowing all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have confidence towards God. Amen. This word confidence, for some reason, I, th- I like this. Free and fearless confidence. Cheerful courage, boldness, assurance. I want to say that again. Free and fearless confidence. Man, we can come before God. He wants us to. I, we can't come because the preacher says we can come. Or He so desperately wanted this relationship with us that he died for us so that we could perceive his love and that he wants this relationship. And we don't, you know, Daisy, even though she asked me three times, she didn't come up in fear asking me, amen. We don't get it, guys. We're trying, hallelujah, amen. Spirit, Father, help us. <laughs> Free and fearless confidence towards God. It's, it breaks my heart and it's religion's fault It breaks my heart that there are so many Christians that feel unworthy to come to God and ask Him for anything. Guilt and shame and condemnation and they're beat up and I'll just, maybe, you know, when God's letting everyone into heaven, I'll just kind of sneak around and and I'll get in and that's good, but in this life, not boldly come to Him? That breaks my heart. We're we're, we're focused on the wrong thing if, if that's, what is being produced in our life. If there's guilt and shame and condemnation, that that is evidence that we're looking at our performance. And our performance ain't living up. And so we feel unworthy to come to God in confidence because we're looking at self, period. That's where guilt and shame and condemnation can only be produced if we're looking at something other than the cross. Because if we're looking at something other than the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, we're looking at something that's insufficient. Amen. Free and fearless. Amen. Free and fearless confidence towards God. Amen. And when we have this confidence towards God, whatsoever we ask, we can receive of Him. Amen. Amen. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And I know I've taught these these many times. And you know, if we uh, this is where religion would stop. Religion wouldn't show you the bottom of that page. <laughs> Religion would just show you this. And whatsoever we ask, we receive them because we keep His commandments. There it is, brother. There it is. There it is. Isn't it convenient that, that you know, when they want to skew a doctrine a certain way, they'll show you one thing but not another thing. See here, right here in Philippians, it says you've got to work out your salvation, brother. You've got to work it out. Amen. The next verse says it's God in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen. 
So religion says, you see, you got to keep his commandments. Well, that's true. And here it is, verse 23, and this is what Jesus said. And this is his commandment, and he's singular. He makes it singular. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Now, again, the commandment to love one another, God wouldn't have asked us to do it if we were incapable of doing it. Now, he did say that we are incapable of doing it in our own strength, but he did say that I will strengthen your inner man to be able to comprehend my love for you, hallelujah, so that when you live by faith in what Christ has done and let Christ dwell in your heart, the fruit of the Spirit is going to be my love birthed in you, and you'll be able to fulfill the commandment of loving each other. And that's all summed up here. This is his commandment, that you should believe, that you should have faith in Christ and what he's done. My dad referenced John 14, 21, and I, quite frankly, didn't know it said what it said. And I've said this many times. To trust in the cross is to love God. Look at he says, and he has my commandments and keeps them. He it is that is loving me. Amen? Well, what are his commandments? To believe on the name of his son, Jesus. Amen. And Cynthia referenced it. I thought the commandments were love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. This leaves out the love, your, love the Lord your God part. That's who, and that, it doesn't though. Because when we are believing on the name of Jesus and his finished work, we are fulfilling the commandment of loving God. <laughs> there is no greater love if, if it wouldn't be love if someone gave you a present and you rejected it that wouldn't be love that wouldn't be reciprocated that person might still have love for you but you're essentially saying that's, I don't, that's, that's worthless to me that's not love when we receive the gift hallelujah that's love reciprocated and there's gratitude and there's thanksgiving amen and so the commandment is we trust in what Jesus has done I don't, I mean, this is another teaching for another day, but the name, you all know it doesn't mean just a title. The name is used for everything which the name covers, everything the thought or feeling of which is aroused in the mind by mentioning the name, hearing the name, remembering the name, i.e., for one's rank, authority, interest, pleasure, deeds. Amen. The name of Jesus is Savior. Messiah, the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. It, it's an all, the name of Jesus literally covers his virgin birth, his sinless life, his sacrifice on the cross, his resurrection. It's not just something we say in prayer. It's not just the, the, the letters J-E-S-U-S or Yeshua, whatever you want to, however you want. It's not just that. It's in the name and authority, the power of what Christ has done from his sinless, spotless life to healing people to revealing the will of God. I mean, what do you remember him for? We could spend the next four hours, we could spend eternity in here talking about what we remember Jesus for. Amen? Hallelujah. But what's the most significant thing? He paid a great price for us. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We believe on the name of his son. And love one another, because the only way we can love one another is the Spirit be producing this fruit in us. Amen? And if we are keeping this commandment and, and believing, then we are dwelling in Him. I said it so many times, Colossians, as you have received Christ, so walk ye in Him. 
This is just saying the same thing. We trust, rely, depend on the power of what Jesus did at the cross, and we find ourselves dwelling in Him where He can produce this fruit. Amen. Not dwelling in the flesh. We're dwelling in the Spirit. Because it's not about what I do for Him. It's about what He's done for me, and He's now empowering me a little more day by day to see people through His love and compassion and grace and mercy and forgiveness. Because and, love does a lot of things. Love forgives. Love, so I'm going to... I hope to be putting something together on, on that. And so he says, He that keeps these commandments is dwelling in Christ and Christ in him, and hereby we know that he is abiding in us by the Spirit which he's given us, which is producing this love. We should have an assurance and a confidence, hallelujah, that we're on the right track. And I want to say it one more time because it was good. Free and fearless confidence towards God. He loves us like we can't even comprehend. But thank you, Father, hallelujah for uh, just helping us a little more day by day to comprehend your great love as a father to us, Lord. Not a distant God, but one who cares about every aspect of our life, Father. Hallelujah. Uh, we just ask corporately, Lord, here and, and individually, uh, Father, that, uh, that you just continue to give us a deeper understanding of your love for us and, and your love through us uh, for others, Father. Hallelujah. Help us be sensitive to, to what you're doing in our lives, what you're saying in our lives, where you're leading us in your lives, all motivated by love, Father. Hallelujah. Help us to keep Christ, your Son, Jesus, and the cross in our remembrance, Father. Hallelujah. Help us to keep that as what we believe and trust in. And Father, help us to get ourselves out of the way so we can see this great grace and great mercy uh, that you show us that's new every single day, Father. Hallelujah. Help us, help us, help us to comprehend your love, Lord. We thank you for the fruit that's going to come forth, the fruit of trusting in the gospel, Lord. Hallelujah. We're going to praise you for that fruit. Thank you for it in Jesus' name, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. All right, saints. Praise the Lord. We love you guys. Wow.